It's time to mind your business with me, Jamila Lodge. Tune in to find out how to mind your business with BEDC, special guest entrepreneurs, industry experts, and more. Brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here. Hi, to me a long time. I know it has been a long time. So welcome to Mind Your Business. Great to be here. Thank it's, you. Thank you for, for having. And like I said, you're our first. So you're our first live podcast okay. um, that we're doing. So today we're going to talk about you and your your business, CPR, cell phone repair. Sure. So before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so I'm Alex Jones. I'm 39 years old. I've got two small children and a wife and, and all the responsibilities that that entails. And I run CPR Cell Phone Repair, which is a phone repair and retail business with uh, 13 staff right now, um, which we started in 2015, effectively. Okay. And of course, here we are seven years later, and we're still at it. So let me ask you, were you always interested in becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, probably. Um I, I always hated having a job, so there's that. And now, of course, I, I don't have a job that I work for. I work for everybody else. That's right. Um, so, no, I think it's more something wrong with me, and I had to to do this. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about that, because you said, it, what about having a job did you hate? Well, I mean, the the when I was in my early 20s, I was working at a finance company that mm-hmm. was a really great firm, but I, I hated the thought that the sum total of my my career would be to be a rounding error on someone else's balance sheet. You know, if you, um, and my work didn't mean anything. It was just making money for someone who already had too much. Right. Um, and so, um, it doesn't feel very good. It doesn't, there's no amount of money that make you interested in, in what you're doing right or give purpose to what you're doing right right so with entrepreneurship is that where you feel like you found your purpose because how did you arrive at cpr like cell phone repair well the, the great thing now is that if i don't run my business my kids starve so i'm incredibly motivated <laughs> So you're motivated <laughs> yeah and and, and 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 we're homeless so between those two things like i now have a purpose that is beyond anything i could have imagined because i have to feed my family right um and so uh, we stumbled on CPR really completely by accident. Um, I couldn't recreate the series of steps right. um, if I tried. Um, and we, we've got a good business now that that feeds my family and feeds um, you know thirteen other families. I did the math recently. I think there were twenty three or twenty four people who depend on CPR for their food every day. If you count oh. children, actually, it's probably more than that now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've got a huge responsibility with the people who eat because we're in business mm-hmm. and because customers choose to, to visit us. So it's interesting. I mean, to hear you talk about when you started and where you are now, I'm sure there are different, different motivators now, right? Because you do have that family yeah. versus when you initially started. So that initial motivating motivation around not wanting to work for someone else, not really understanding how or why you should be contributing to someone else's bottom line when you could be contributing to your own. And now you have that family and other families that rely on you, um, you know, to ensure that that they have a lifestyle and livelihood in place. Yeah. It's important to remember that I probably would have made more money if I just had a job and followed a career path from age, um, you know, 22 till now, mm-hmm. I would probably be a lot better off than I am now. You don't do this um, for money. You do yeah. this because there's something wrong with you. Um, <laughs> okay. And so for, for us, the way we started out was we, um, a friend of mine went to the Olympics in 2008. Yeah. And um, 
him and his wife came back with these cool, cheap Chinese phones. And I thought, I looked at the market in Bermuda and found there was an opportunity to sell phones in Bermuda. Mm -hmm. So I brought some phones from China and I wanted to check them out and see if they were good enough. And they were terrible. They were garbage. (laughs) They were like really bad BlackBerry copies and they had like a TV (laughs) antenna on them and they didn't work properly and they crashed all the time. And so, um, you know, that, that whole idea got put on ice for a couple of years. And and over time the stuff got good. And Mm -hmm. I started selling, I, was buying these Chinese phones and playing with them. And my wife was getting pissed off that I was spending our money on, on electronics. And, and, um, so I, I started to recoup the cost by selling them on emo. Mm -hmm. And so I validated the business effectively by just buying stuff and selling it on emo. And I knew we had had something when I got this tablet and I used it and I played with it. I went to sell it on emo and I got like 18 people calling me for this tablet. Mm -hmm. And okay, there's a market here. So I was consulting and my contract finished up at an uh, international company. Mm-hmm. And so I had some time off before my next um, gig. And I got together with a friend and we opened a kiosk in the Washington Mall. Mm-hmm. We filled it with product and we started selling phones. And then I needed someone to fix the phone. So I went around to all the local phone repair places and I found someone that could do it for us at a reasonable price. And it was on Court Street. It was called I Repair. It was a little hole in the wall. Yeah, yeah. And it was a eight foot wide, forty foot long alleyway that had, they'd put a cover on in some ancient history, and it had one little Filipino guy working there, Cedric, who's still with us. Okay. And they started fixing our phones, and the business was in trouble because the owner had abandoned it, basically, okay. and um, he had moved on to a, a higher calling, and so we ended up taking over the business. And it was literally full of trash. We got an entire HC dump truck and filled it with garbage from the store. Wow. It had no air conditioning. Um, it was on Court Street, and we built it up from there. Okay. And then we moved it um, to Washington Lane in 2017 and moved it to a larger location in 2019, and we're hopefully moving to a larger location soon. That is awesome. So CPR, is is it a franchise? CPR is a franchise, okay. but we are the master franchise for the Caribbean. Okay. So the way a franchise works is you license um, certain business practices and branding, Um and you pay a license fee to the franchisor. The business is still locally owned. Like people have a huge misconception that somehow it's an international company, right, and right. it's it's not. You know, if you're if you have a any kind of franchise, you still own you it. Still you own just it. pay yep. fees. And the as the master franchise for the Caribbean, we got very preferential um, terms. So it's not. What like does that mean, though? A master franchise for the Caribbean. So do you so have other locations? We we, we don't, and I don't think we will. But okay. we had the opportunity when we signed up to go open up other locations in other places, and I don't know that we'll do that. Okay. Um, I'm just at the stage in life where I don't want to leave Devonshire. Like I live in Devonshire. Right. I don't want to have to cross the border for any reason. Like oh my I don't God, want. God, Alex, you know Bermuda is small. Right? I know, but I don't have to come to Pembroke. Like I don't want to have to go anywhere, let alone go and deal with. Um, a, a CPR store in, right. in, in Kingston. You know, I just. Is there an opportunity? And I'm just putting it out there for you. Is there such thing as like sub franchising? That's so, exactly what a master franchise is. Yeah. Okay. So someone could franchise through us in the Caribbean and we, okay. we'd help them do it. And no, that's something you're interested in. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it'd have to be the right person who's right. physically on the ground. Right. I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. I get it. I completely understand. Yeah. But it's it's great to have that option, I think, especially yeah. for those who are considering entrepreneurship or considering franchising a business. Yeah. I think franchising is a bit weird because a lot of the benefits that franchises offer mm-hmm. aren't really present in Bermuda um, because you don't need a strong brand That's name. That's right. 
you know, the best branded businesses in Bermuda are like Bermuda and then whatever your business does or mm-hmm. Island and then whatever your business does. Like <laughs> it usually you can be Island Dental or Bermuda Dental or, you know, Island Self Storage or Bermuda Self Storage or Bermuda Phone Repair or Island Phone Repair. Like Exactly. You don't need a fancy brand. You like, don't. So I was going to ask you about that because in this, in the U.S., right, there are franchises everywhere. And yeah. you leverage those franchisees because it is a brand that's well known. Yeah. And so you don't have to do as much marketing, et cetera. So what has or what benefit have you gained from having a franchise? Frankly, it was really just the network of owners. There's a bunch of other um, owners and the CPR franchisees tend to be business people who got into phones mm-hmm. um, a bit more than than some others. So it was being able to learn from other people. Okay. But frankly, I've contributed more back to the other owners than necessarily we've gotten out. Okay. Um, there were some supplier relationships that are useful, mm-hmm. um, but we could have done that on our own. Okay. But certainly someone's thinking about it. You can do it. There's a, there are a couple of franchises in Bermuda, um, but it's not in the U.S., it would definitely be what I do. Right, right, right. And I think for those who are considering entrepreneurship, we're speaking to them, right, when they're trying to decide how to go about it, I think that's something that they should con- consider, you know? Well, the, the problem is most franchises have a very large initial franchise fee. Mm-hmm. And frankly, that's going to cost more than just starting a business in Bermuda. So a lot of franchises have to $50,000 initial fee. Right. And then on top of that, you have to pay to start the business. Right. And the, the startup costs in Bermuda are going to be double what they would be in the U.S. Okay. You're much better off for a lot of businesses in Bermuda just validating it by starting and offering a service. And it's easy to market in Bermuda. There's not that many people here. That is true. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because you said when you first started, the way you validated whether or not there was a demand was you got this iPad and posted it on email. And then you got all these people responding. And I think that's important because I feel like a lot of times people don't go through that process, right? right? They do all the other stuff, spend the money, bring in the inventory, all this other kind of thing, and not realizing what, or not knowing, I should say, whether or not there is an actual legitimate demand for whatever it is they're serving. And and they'll ask their friends and family about it, and their friends and family will tell them it's a great idea, Yeah. Um, but your friends and family will lie to you, and they they don't mean to. But they let's, lo- let's they not love say you. lie. Let's say support. They will they will support to you. To a fault. Right. <laughs> and I think all you have to do is listen to some of the, you know, America's Got Talent outtakes to know that oh. um, people's friends and family lie to them about their singing. <laughs> and people are going to lie to you about their business because they love you. And yeah. so you have to sell to strangers. Mm-hmm. Like that's the hard part. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing to sell to like a, a greater network of people. You know, there are some, some people do really well in Bermuda because their business is their their social circle. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, you've got to sell to strangers. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And so for you, the way you identified those strangers was going on Emu, which is like a Craigslist, if you will, for Bermuda. Yeah, and I validated by accident. I didn't intend to do this. Um, I just didn't want to have this tablet that my that it cost us money that my wife didn't was looking at you like, really? Why why did you spend this money on this thing? (laughs) Um, And so um, it's always best to keep your wife happy yes i agree well done yeah. well done i it's, I agree it's better for, for everyone for everybody um even the cat felt better <laughs> so we didn't have kids then that's right um so yeah it's it's validating your product mm-hmm. and um you know with phone repair we knew that there was a demand for phone repair because there were other businesses doing it and um uh, they we had tried to give them our business and they had mm-hmm. said no when we were uh, uh, just doing the kiosk just right. selling phones that's interesting. So I do think that this particular industry, like you said, it just happened 
to work out this way. Like right. it, the business was up for sale or not up for sale, but you you came into it yeah. um, kind of organically. Very organically. Will. I mean, the owner was my dad's old electrician. Wow. And so I got his phone number and called him up and spoke to him. And That's and, Bermuda um, for you, though. And, Those are the opportunities that yeah. exist here. And we worked out a deal, and it worked out very well for him, much better than it would have been if he just stayed in business. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk about now and what you see for the future of CPR, right? Because you mentioned your family and what your priorities are now. So how do you see this business evolving? Well, one thing that happens in Bermuda is you kind of hit a limit, right? There's only so many phones in Bermuda to be fixed, and we're the biggest in Bermuda by a by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for an upstart now to get into it. It was much easier when we started to get into the business. Now there's so many more models of phones. We have to carry so many parts um, just to be able to fix everything. Okay. And then the level of technical skill is so much higher um, that um, we just have this position in Bermuda that we're going to try and maintain. Um, and I don't know what's next. Mm. Okay. You know, uh, we're in a good place now and we'd like to stay there and, you know, my, we have a home and. So how do you do that then? Like how do, how do you cement yourself as the cell phone repair guy in Bermuda? Well, we've, we've done it by having the parts in stock. We have the best technicians by far. Um, for, for, so we can fix a lot of things that nobody else can. We can okay. fix them because we have the parts. And so once you have those two advantages, they're structural, mm. right? And, and um, you know, people can, can come into it, but it's going to be hard for them. Mm. And I, I think because Bermuda is small, as long as you're providing a great service, it's easy to maintain that sort of um, leader in the market kind of status, I would say. Yeah, but there's lots of businesses that do it. You know, there's, there's Gorms. There's, that's the... Um, hardware store, yeah. you know, there's pool and garden houses, the pool place, you right. know, there's, there's lots of these businesses that have their niche and they are the place for that. Yeah. And, um, that's a good place to be in Bermuda. Let me ask you how you feel about competition. Cause in, in, in States or where there are more people, um, they say competition is great for the, the, um, customer as well as for the service provider, because it keeps you on your toes. How do you feel about competition in Bermuda? Well, it's important to remember that the, the market that we went into was one where there had been someone doing phone repair for 20 years before us mm. and who had never scaled the business and never took it particularly seriously. And they were quite happy to make, um, a couple hundred dollars on every single job they did. And, mm-hmm. and they think we're fat and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we were the competitor that came in and took away all the business. Mm-hmm. And so in that, in that respect, is that something that you fight against? Like you don't want to be the fat cat, right? Or it, I feel like it's easy to become that. In Bermuda, you, you, right? You, you win by providing the best service. Yeah. Right. And, and by and large, if you make a mistake, someone else is going to eat your lunch yeah. right? and, and come along and, and unseat you. You know, it's funny. People view these businesses in Bermuda as being like enduring. Yeah. But if you go and go get a copy of the Bermudian magazine from the seventies, the They're, only businesses yeah. that are still in existence are like the Bank of Butterfield yeah. that are advertising, right? They're all gone. So every generation, there's a turnover, almost total turnover in business in Bermuda. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about BEDC mm-hmm. and the course that you are enrolled in. It's our Enterprise Bermuda Accelerator, um, powered by Streetwise MBA. And the first question I have for you is, why did you decide to take it? It's it's always good to have help, right? Mm-hmm. You always have blind spots. There's always things you don't know. It's always good to learn. 
And a lot of these courses have structured things that are going to help you, right? Whatever your business is. A lot of the businesses have the same problems. And then also you're going to be in a room with a bunch of other people who aren't competing with you, who are in business in Bermuda, who have the same problems as you, right? They have staffing problems. They have um, accounting problems. They have cash flow problems. They have marketing problems. So you're going to be with people who have the same problems as you. I think it's important to note because for me, I feel like you're a, I would consider you a successful entrepreneur, right? You've been doing this for time. You, you're where you want to be, right? Um, well, I don't, I mean, Pembroke. I want to be a mile and a half that way at my house with my wife and kids. Exactly. You know, or possibly at the beach. It's a nice day today. I could be at Devonshire Bay. But I'm saying all of that to say what you have done with your business has has afforded you the ability to make that decision. Basically. Yeah, but it's important. I'm not a, a mega millionaire here. Right, I'm not right. making um, tons of money. Um, so success is one of those relative things. And there's lots of people who look really successful who are not. Right. In Bermuda, and yeah. then there's lots of people who don't look successful in Bermuda who are wildly successful yeah. and super low-key. Yeah, and I would agree with you 100%. It is relative. Success looks for you different than it would look for me, and I accept that and respect that. So for you and your current state in life, you are right where you want to be. And so I think what I'm trying to communicate is you still decided, let me take this course. Let me learn something. Let me figure out something. So what is what is your driving factor that makes you uh, decide to do something like that? When right now, like you said, if you want to go to the beach, you can. And you've, you've put yourself in a position to be able to make that decision. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Right. Right. It's, it's really easy to just say yes to learning. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep learning. Mm hmm and you don't know what you don't know. I think that's the biggest thing is um, a lot of businesses maintain their position because their owners know things that other people don't. And it's not like some secret sauce. They just know how to do whatever the business is. Right. Um, and so for us, that's very, very long and hard fought learning how to do this business. Yeah, I, I think it's it's great to hear you say that. And definitely um, when we talk about getting or putting entrepreneurs in a position to be able to learn something new, we try to bury the course offering here at BDC. So when you mentioned, you talked about validating your business idea, we have this course called Think Like an Entrepreneur. And that's exactly why we host that course. Yeah, I mean, I remember I had, I had someone trying to pitch me something one time and he had the name and the brand and I was like, well, what does it do? Yeah. And he told me all about the things that don't matter about the business and it turned out it was a water filtration business. Like you come and install water filters. Yeah. Okay, cool. But he had, didn't bother to just get to, oh, do you need a water filter? Right. Which he could have asked. He was trying to sell me on this big vision he had when uh -huh. really he was just selling and installing water filters, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. So from that standpoint, you know, that, that, that um, saying, keep it simple, like you don't need to make it bigger or sound grander than it actually is. What are your thoughts around that? Like simple sometimes can be. I, we had a, a handwritten whiteboard sign in the window for years before we had any kind of brand, right? We were a million dollar <laughs> year business before we had a, a logo, right? Right. It was literally just someone drew eye repair on a whiteboard and <laughs> drew our hours. And that was in the window. <laughs> so to be a market leader in Bermuda, you don't need any of this fancy stuff. Right. You really need really boring stuff. And there's a lot of business people out there who have these really boring businesses, but they come out and they get it done. They get it done. That's it. Yeah. And it's hard to even get people to show up sometimes. 
in Bermuda. So if you show up and get it done, you can be successful in Bermuda. Okay. So from your standpoint, because Bermuda is so small, sometimes people can think that, oh, the market's already saturated. There's no chance. Don't even try. What are, what are your feelings around that? Like when people come to you and like, well, what do you think? Should I start a business or not? There are some things you, people you can't compete with because it requires a huge amount of capital and, and stuff to get into it. You know, no one's going to start a grocery store. Yeah. Right. Or someone might, but it, they're going to come in swinging big. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of things where you can start small and go into it, right? And that's always been the case because there's this generational turnover in businesses. Mm-hmm. So like even my dad, um, he was a surveyor working for the government. He didn't like working for the government. He was trained as a surveyor. He left and started his own firm in 1977. Um, by the mid-80s, they were the largest real estate company in Bermuda. Wow. They didn't know it until they bought out who they thought was the largest in the 90s. Hmm. And, and, and that's now, um, Cobalt Bank of Bermuda Realty. So my dad had done it. And, you know, for us, we came into the business and, um, you know, we started small, we had enough money to, to get parts and we had really good, a really good technician in Cedric to start a foundation to build on. And Mm -hmm. we built on it and it was, it was desperate early on with money. You know, I would do things like I'd order parts and I could get them FedEx overnight back then. You Mm -hmm. can't do that. You can't get FedEx overnight. It takes two weeks now sometimes for FedEx overnight. But this was um, 2015. And so I'd FedEx stuff overnight. I could do an order by like 5 p.m. in Bermuda and it would show up the next afternoon. So we'd say, yeah, your phone will be ready. If people came in with some one-off brand phone, I'd order the screen, FedEx it overnight. Uh, It would arrive. I'd go to FedEx, stand in line, pick it up and go and install it at night and call them the next day and say it's ready. You know, and then we just had just enough money to turn it over. So mm-hmm. I'd get money in the door and I'd turn and, around and send it right back out for parts. Right. Um, and I was able to do that because we had low personal overheads. I didn't have children. I didn't have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. I didn't have big expenses. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a car. Like we were living really low mm-hmm. and that's how we were able to build the business. So I would like for you to give me, I mean, I have in my mind based on what you said, yeah. what I think you will say, but I would like for you to say what would be, let's say your top three tips for someone who is considering entrepreneurship. What are the things that they should definitely consider? Don't get in debt to do it. Okay. Because the banks in Bermuda will give you enough rope to hang yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. They will take your house if you have one. Um, so you can get yourself in big trouble with, um, debt. Mm-hmm. So start small, right? You know, there was a guy I was talking to recently about a, a painting business and he could literally start this business on the weekend. And when it was making enough money working on the weekends, he could probably quit his job, right? There's, there's a transition process where you can go out of your job. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky that my job had ended cause I was consulting so I could go and start this other business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could have kept doing it. I sort of had this vision that I would rent the kiosk in the mall, fill it with phones, hire some young person on commission to throw phones at people, and then go back to working in finance. Mm-hmm. And I never did. Because you didn't have to? I didn't have to. Well, right. and I didn't have to because we didn't need a lot of money because my lifestyle was low. Right. So that that's what, one, two, what's the third one? I guess the, the third one is um, to don't sweat the details I mean, I watched someone spend so much time on their logo. It was unreal, like hours on this perfect logo and didn't have a business. So get a business. Like, right. So when you say get a business, what does what do you mean? Find customers, okay. find a product and sell them something. Right. Okay. And it can be your time. It can be a service. 
Um, it can be a product, find a good product, bring a couple in and sell it. You don't necessarily have to make money on that first batch. You're mm-hmm. validating that people will buy it. Okay. I mean, I think that's great advice and it's necessary for people to hear it from someone other than us, right? Mm. It's from you. You're an entrepreneur. You went down this road. You've um, taken this journey and it's worked. Um, I definitely would agree with you though. If you can keep your overhead low, then do that. I think I want to go back to one of the things that you said with regard to don't get into debt to start your business. And I don't think that there's a huge kind of angel sort of equity investment market in Bermuda pretty much that all there is is debt yeah but you can do well to just save some money okay you know someone could pick up a second job work a bit save and then have a seed fund of capital to Mm -hmm. do it themselves so your recommendation is if you have a vision you have an idea first validate it validate it yeah and then do what you have to do to put some money yeah a lot of actually start a lot of ideas can be validated with a couple hundred bucks Right. And what does it take to put that together? If you can't do it with your savings from where you are now, can you put some extra hours in? Can you find a second job? Can you hustle to make some money? Okay. You know, there, there's plenty of hustles, especially over the summertime, where there's some weekend stuff you can do to put together a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and that will be enough to validate your idea. Um, and then once you're down the road, you know, we did take on some debt. We did take a loan at some point, but mm-hmm. we didn't need the money. The loan was offered. And right. And um, it made sense to do it. But we could write a check to pay the loan off right, if we needed if you to. Right, needed to. Right, and, and it wasn't a lot of money. So, But the problem is people will borrow from friends and family and they'll burn down their family. Mm-hmm. And that's the worst thing that can really, other than losing someone close to you, like losing money for your family is an awful thing to do. Yeah. And any money that you take from friends and family, you should expect to have to pay it back. And that means if, you, if your business fails, that means you're getting a second job and you're paying people back. Yeah. Every penny. Yep, I would definitely agree with that. But we see it a lot of times. And I do think that um, sometimes people, they don't want to wait, right? They're like, I want to do this now. The opportunity is now. There's this place or this physical space that I can get into. And if I don't do it now, then I'm going to miss on the opportunity. What do you say to that person? There's always a physical space, especially right now. I mean, you know, 15 years ago when the economy was booming, yeah, maybe space was hard to come by. Now there's tons of space. You'll always find space. I would agree. And there will probably be a better deal down the road. There's so much vacant property in Bermuda. Bermuda is so economically depressed. Like it's so easy to find a place. Yeah. So wait, like you said, there's no rush. There's no rush. Okay. Right. Test it. And one of the things about validating is you start your business small and you start making money on it. Then you build up the money to grow the business, right? You can take the profit that you've made and put it back into the business. And that's what we did for years, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't take a real salary for many, many years um, and just turned it over into the business. I'm going to, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, what do you, what are your feelings about pivoting or switching up? So you have this great idea, you think it's fabulous, you know, everybody's going to buy this thing that I'm selling, but then they don't. Like, <laughs> what, what is your feeling or how do you, you respond to that? We don't sell cheap Chinese electronics anymore. Okay, we have completely abandoned our original business mm-hmm. because the market isn't there for them and the quality isn't good enough for Bermuda. So, you know, you're going to have to give up at some point something that you started selling. If you look at a lot of the really successful businesses in Bermuda and how they started, like Lindo's started as a butcher shop. Right, your original business is going to go away. Mm. Um, so if you look at, I think it'd be great if BDC did a series on 
um, these legacy businesses, these yes. big businesses. And and while the generation is still alive, talk to the the old people, mm-hmm. the retirees who started them, how they got to where they are. Because um, people have this vision of Bermuda businesses sort of starting big, and they're not. People just haven't seen, don't what remember. They, yeah, what they were before. And, and you, people don't also remember all the ones that f- were big and failed to mm-hmm. make way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for my dad, you know, LP Guttridge was the big real estate company in Bermuda. Well, they weren't mm-hmm. because um, Jones Waddington and uh, Gauntlet Jones had, had supplanted them, but mm-hmm. they didn't know that. Right. So for us, um, you know, there were people in the phone business who were big, and, and now it's us. Now it's you. And there'll probably be someone after us if right. the business continues. Right, right. Well, Alex, I just want to thank you for coming out and yeah, sharing a bit of your journey me. with us. Um, hopefully those who listen and see this will be inspired. Uh, I definitely know that uh, having seen your progression or the journey over the years, way back when, when yeah. you pitched for well, Rocket Pitch. I, I wish, I hope people understand that there's so many failures in, yes. in every success, that yes. this was not an easy road and that it's not an overnight thing and that I've failed um, more times than I think I've succeeded. It's just the time I succeeded was was a bigger one. And it's okay to fail. I think we're slowly No, it's not. Accept- it's awful. No, Don't do listen. it. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. It hurts more than anything. Listen, we're going to agree to disagree. It um, does hurt, but you learn quicker, yeah. and you learn what not to do when you fail. And yeah. I do think that um, there's a stigma associated with failing in Bermuda especially. Well, it's, it's how you fail, right? If you fail a small way because you tested something and yes. didn't work, no big deal. If yes. you failed big because you took money from your family and went and like rented a space and bought all the equipment and it didn't work, yes. like that's really hard. Yes, I would agree there. But if you start small, you fail small, you test it, it doesn't work, no big deal. You switch it up, pivot, yeah. do something else. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Alex. Thanks for joining us here yeah, on Mind Your Business. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if you don't mind your business, who will? Walk <laughs> thanks, Jamila. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in to Mind Your Business with me, your host, Jamila Lodge. Tune in next week, Thursday at 4 p.m. Because if you don't mind your business, who will? Mind Your Business is brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here.